always hesitant when uh, people find out I'm from Seattle. I feel like we have unfinished business with the football thing. I just want to say I love you guys. Are we cool? Okay, you got one of ours. I'm not sure what, what's going to happen with that, but uh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm being converted. So, hey, it, it is really good to be with you guys, and I mean that. And I do want to thank uh, Pastor Terry in a special way and Cheryl in a very special way just for their love and also the staff who I've been running around with and just really enjoying. It's been uh, a season of love. This has been a crazy season for us, and there's nothing like... Uh, walking into somebody's business, so I'm going to throw it at you. It'll be fun. And uh, I think it will be a huge help for you, though, um, because what I've experienced in the last, I don't know, maybe three months, I guarantee you're somewhere there. You're close. And the way that God has allowed me to be removed from it and find a new place, a new season of power and joy, I want you to have that this morning. And so my word, my word this morning is breakthrough. I want you to have a breakthrough um, with God. And I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in the next 30 minutes because, man, my heart is so full of God right now, like overloaded with joy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, man, I feel like I've been in the sun too long. Like I got this like, you know, beating like, but it's like the son of God. And I just, I feel so good. Um, and I want to show you what God's done in my life because wherever you're at, with God this morning. If you're not even a Christian, we are really glad you're here. And if you're exploring this thing we call faith, I want you to see something and hear something that hopefully will open your heart to wrestling with the Christian faith. And if you're here and you're a Christian and you're not where you want to be, welcome to the party. <laughs> but I, I really believe you can, you can get there. I, I really believe God is going to do something. So we're in this series called Spark. And... Uh, Man, go online if you have not heard the past messages. They've been fantastic. And so I'm just going to continue this rhythm that uh, Pastor Lewis and Pastor Terry have created. And really, and I'll throw this up behind me on the screen, and really the question I want to look at and answer for us today, and it's been my personal journey, so I'll be very real and transparent with my walk with God to help you this morning. But the questions that I want to look at and, and attempt to answer today are these. How can you turn your spark for God into a fire? And that's not just like sermon talk that I'm dumping off into you. I mean, how can you feel God? How can you experience God in a whole new way? How can you, and I mean this with all my heart, walk down on an ocean and it's no longer, you know, stuck in thought and, and not seeing the beauty around you, but even in light of life's kind of chaotic messiness, you see and feel this God in all that he created for you? How can you experience love in new ways, whether it's in a marriage or whatever? How can all of this intensify? How can God go from an idea to a, a, really a dramatic encounter? Um, I don't know about you, but as a Christian, like I don't want just an intellectual head knowledge of God. I want to feel like a dance with God. Like, I want to feel him and know him and fall in love with him and see him in everything and have everything amplified, like moving towards a fire. Uh, I'll, I'll talk probably too much about this, but I think I've, I've been living in Yosemite. Kind of weird. I think the last three out of five weeks I've been in Yosemite. I'm not sure what's going on. If you're going to Yosemite, you may need a pastor to go with you. <laughs> Pray over top ramen, you know, that type of thing. But Yosemite has been this, uh, a really magical place for me in my walk with God as I've gone through some hard times lately. 
that I'll share with you. But I want you to envision, you know, in the darkness of night and the coldness. Man, it was cold up there. And not being able to see much when you're away from the fire. But the more I would move towards this fire, the more I would, I would see everything around me and I would feel this warmth and feel alive and, and feel loose and relaxed and, and joyous. And that's what we want to do with God. We want to move towards Him. I suppose I need to start with the question of why should you even want to move towards God? Because this may take some time. This may take some energy. And no doubt a lot of you guys are probably in school. Uh, you've come here from out of state, and you're probably uh, crazy busy. Some of you guys are in, are, have started small families, and we all know what kids can do. They bless you, but they do change things. Uh, some of you guys are working in startups, or you're working on a career. Um, Sometimes life is just chaotic. Sometimes you're, you just kind of fall out of your passion for God and the redundancy of life kind of takes you away. And, and before you know it, you kind of look back and it's like, how did I get this far away from God? No matter where you're at, no matter where you're at, we want to move together on this journey towards God. Why should we do it? Check it out, guys. I believe we all know there's something more. I think we all know there's more to life. When you look at the ocean, or you look at someone you love, or you look at a child, or you, there's a tickle torture going on in the house, and there's this laughter of a child, or, or you hear the sighing in the wind, or you see the sunset, we all know there's more. We all know there's more that's just out of reach. Like we're experiencing echoes of something crazy beautiful. And it's my belief, and I, I'll show you from the scripture, I think it's God's belief, if I can even say that, that there is more and we can tap into it. Like our love lives and our experiences and the way we look at vocation, our passion for things like vocation, it can all amplify and become beautiful. I think we, we need to carve out time to pursue this God and experience Him because it's going to amplify all of life. I was on BART, uh, taking BART down here, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago or something like that. And this is not in judgment because I'm a part of this uh, journey. Um, we were in BART. It's like 8 in the morning or something like that. <clears throat> How many of you guys take BART? Okay, so visualize this. You know, the car's packed. Everybody's got headphones on. Isn't that weird looking? Like, including me. Like, we all, and we're all texting, you know. Maybe we should text each other or something like that. I don't know. But everyone's got their phone out. And uh, I look over, and I hate to admit this, but I was eavesdropping. I need sermon illustrations. So I was looking at this guy's phone. No one's going to hang out with me. I know, but I'm looking over this guy's shoulder and he's playing this really cool looking video game, honestly. And uh, there's like all this adventure going on. And then I could see this girl over here. She's on her way to work and she's listening to something. And you can see she's doing the head bob, you know? She's just like, you can, she's looking for something. She's going somewhere. And then I look over on one of the seats and there's this young couple and they're doing the staring in the eye thing. <laughs> that makes like all married people and single people really uncomfortable. You know? You're like, dang, it's cool, but come on, guys. Like, stop that. But it was so cool because, like, as I looked around the, the train, in, including my own heart, the realization that we're all seeking something more. And we're all discontent. But in a way, we can use that as a, as a vehicle to say, well, let's go after it. And we look in these different areas, and these, these are not wrong areas. But that's what, you know, largely video games and movies I've seen Avengers like 400 times. You know, we're looking for adventure. We're looking for something more. How many of you guys have seen uh, Doctor Strange? Come on, help me. Don't leave me alone up here. All right, all right. 
That's a cool movie. Well, there's this, there's this piece in the movie that is, that is so amazing that I literally started crying in the movie theater. Do not tell anybody I said that. <laughs> it's really embarrassing. I, I, I was crying in Doctor Strange. Um, and uh, it's when the ancient one, you know, she's that lady who's kind of like this picture of the divine. She says these words, guys, and I want you to hear them because when this starts popping up in our culture, our music, that there's more, there's more, there's more. This isn't even a religious thing anymore. She looks at Dr. Strange. You got to remember, he's this medical doctor that's very wealthy. He's very arrogant. I mean, the guy's a jerk, right? If you've seen the movie, all he wants is wealth. He wants attention and all these things. And he's, he's empty. He's coming up empty. And this kind of divine being, if I can even say that, takes him out on this ledge and it's overlooking the city and she just has like a heart to heart with him. And she goes like this, you think you know how the world works, don't you? You think that this material universe is all there is. What is real? What mysteries lie beyond the reach of your senses? And I was like, man, there's a world out there that can be awakened for us. Where love and children and vocation and, and, and trips and mountains and waterfalls amplify to the place that we're feeling alive. And what's so crazy, especially if you're not a Christian, um, just wrestle with this. What's so crazy is this very ancient book, this, this very ancient belief called Christianity, here's what it claims. And just wrestle with this. First Corinthians uh, chapter 2 and verse 9. Christianity lays this out. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, like you have never seen anything like this, nor ear heard. You've, you've heard beautiful things, but you have never heard anything like this. Nor the heart of man imagined. <laughs> That's wild. Like as much as you have conjured up and imagined amazing experiences, what God has prepared for those who love him. He'll give it to you. Like beyond your wildest imagination, God will turn all things into beautiful things. It's almost like we live in a 2D world and he can make it 3D. It's like he adds this extra piece to it that says, oh my soul, man, this stuff is so amazing. And when you become a Christian, when you receive Christ as your Savior, Everything doesn't get better, but at least this piece opens up. And as things slowly get better, as you take the journey with God, one of the pieces that, that just emerges or opens up as we move close to the fire, as we move close to God, is that God desires to make hidden things known. He desires to amplify these things in our lives. And that's what this series is all, all about. How can we together move towards God? And no doubt, life, life makes us hard. This is not some switch that we're going to flip. Like, guys, I'm going to give you three points. Everyone's going to come down here. Boom. We're going to walk out of here on fire, and we're going to look at, like, squirrels and cars and go, yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is a journey. And if I could just give you a piece, a seed to plant, germinate, wrestle with. Because some of you guys, again, uh, maybe you've had a bad experience with God. Like, I get it. Um, maybe there's things blocking you from taking that step towards God. Uh, maybe for some, it's like you don't even know where you belong. And it's like, I know God has this life for me, but is this my place? I'm different. Maybe for some, it's vocation or school. 
Maybe it's marriage, whatever it is. Whatever's in the way, I want to show you how to take it, transform it, so you can move towards God, but it's not easy. Um, just to give you a personal testimony, then we're going to jump into some scripture here, and I'm going to lay this out. Let's let God speak today. The last two years have been the height of my Christianity. I have experienced things I never thought I would experience. I've felt God in a thousand different new ways. In the church I was pastoring right here in the city, God was doing things that were so profound and powerful. Like he was trans, every time I preached a sermon, I mean, it had nothing to do with me. I was preaching the same stuff, yet like every time I opened my mouth, people were being changed around me. Like literal healing and, and uh, marriage is, marriages were coming back together, like powerful things and this growth was happening. And uh, all the people around us were growing tremendously in the Lord. We, had, we, were, we were doing life. We were a community. Man, it was so supernatural. I remember one time one of the Christian leaders, uh, a friend of mine in the city called me up, and he's like, John, you got to get over here. Like our church is praying, and, and God's moving it, and we're experiencing new things with God. I go over there. It was probably 6 o'clock at night. We left at 1 in the morning. When I lifted up my head, I could not believe it was 1 in the morning. Time went by like that. It's like we're in ecstasy. And in a 24-hour period, I lost all of it. That's a fire going down to a spark. Man, the world was alive to me. And the next thing I knew, man, I was struggling. I was struggling to move towards God. But here's what I knew, you guys. I knew he had the life I was looking for, the pleasure, the joy. So here's what I want to do. I want to show you what I did. Um, I went up to Yosemite with a Bible, my wife and daughter, and a book on the Apostle Paul. And we lived in the woods for a week. I know, it's kind of weird. <laughs> if you see my wife, like, give her a hug. <laughs> just be like, I love you. That guy's weird, but I love you. Um, and what I did is be, I know, strange thing being married to me. Um, but here's what I did, you guys. I knew that Paul went through the same thing. And if you're like, who's Paul? Paul's an, <laughs> let's start there. He's an early Christian leader in the Bible. And, and he was like a pastor. He would go into cities like Pacifica, Daly City, San Francisco. <laughs> Not literally. And he would start these churches. He would tell people about Jesus and start these communities of Jesus followers. And then he would nurture them and teach them how to, to walk with God, how to enjoy God and live a life for God. And uh, he went through the same dark, dark place. He was on fire for God, and he fell. He was busted. And so I went to the woods, and I thought, well, let me tap into Paul and figure out how he came back, because I need this life. I want my God. I just don't know how to get there. And sure enough, man, I, I came down that mountain a week later. I, I have been to the mountain. And I came down from that mountain like, man, resurrected. And so no matter where you're at today, there's hope. Like, I want to ignite some stuff today. And so I'm going to lay this out, just one simple thought that's actually very profound if we can tap into it. Here's what happened to me. Here's the truth I learned, no matter where you're at, that will ignite you back to God and open up this life again. Uh, we're going to throw it on the board, on the screen, but I want everyone to write this in their handout or put it in your phone or whatever. Here, here is the key I want to focus on just for a few minutes. Love, guys, love. Love is the fuel. That ignites our fire for God. That's where I went. Love. 
Like I was trying to pick myself up. I'm a sports guy, so I was like trying to fire myself up. Like it's fourth quarter, John. Like we got to win the game or something. Wasn't working. I even used guilt. Like, John, you should be serving God. And it was like, that's gone. It was when God revealed love to me, his love, that something supernatural took place. Let me work this out. Let me explain it to you. I want you to see Paul, and we're going to take a very quick journey here. I want you to see Paul in a house. He's in this house, and, and you're, sitting on, you're sitting across the street. Maybe here's a road, and you're sitting across the street in another building or on a hill or something like that. Just put yourself there. It's the first century. There's people walking through the street and wagons and all that good stuff, and there's, there's a man you see through the window. He's, he's an old man. He's a little hunched over. This is Paul. Paul's got scars. Paul's got a limp. He's been through a lot, but this man knows God. He can take us somewhere, guys. He can take us into the wardrobe. And all of a sudden, as, as we're watching Paul just pace himself, just very patiently through this home, there's a knock on the door. He answers the door. A young man comes in. He looks at Paul. We see kind of a frantic look on his face. The conversation's getting a little warmed up, getting fired up. And we see Paul kind of drop his head, maybe put his hands behind his back. He motions for this young man to leave. And Paul begins to look at the ground as if, in all that worry and anxiety that just hit him, the answers are found there. As he walks and paces, we realize that this young man has brought him some bad news. You see, there's a church in another city that Paul loves, a group of believers that he loves. But this, this church has lost their fire for God. They're embedded in a culture that's very similar to San Francisco. They are being pressed by family and vocation, identity and value. They're being pulled in a thousand different directions. Um, there's conflict in their homes. And one day, as they were on fire for God, they're down to a spark now. And Paul, being the lover of souls that he was, he loved these people so much, he, he moves back in this little house to a desk, and he rolls out a parchment that maybe hits the floor, and he's got a bottle of ink and a little pen, and he begins to write. He can't get there, so if he can just get a letter together and get that letter moving and they can read the letter, it will unlock the way that they can fire up for God again, pursue God, and enjoy life, experience life anew and fresh. And so the first thing Paul does is he begins to tell him, and I love this, man, he gets real. You know, we got to take these guys out of the stained glass that we read in the Bible, and we got to bring them down right where we're at. Here's what happened. Paul goes, first thing he writes I know exactly what you're going through. I've been there. The hero of our faith, Paul the Apostle, the guy that changed the Western world, he goes, I have been in the darkness. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 7. We'll throw it up if you don't have a Bible. He goes like this as he begins to write, like, I need to get this to these guys. The first thing is, look, don't quit. We all go through it. We all hit these moments of darkness. He goes, our hope for you is unshaken. You know what he says? And he's saying this to you this morning. He still believes, God still believes, it is possible for you to awaken into God and into new life. Like, for you to burn for God. He goes like this, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comforts. He goes like this, I know what you're going through. I feel you. I've been through it. And then he begins to trace his journey, and in his mind's eye, he begins to 
to remember all the hardships. And the first thing you got to know about this guy, Paul, guys, and I'm no Paul, but, but I was in the same boat, is Paul was on a mountaintop. Like, this guy was killing it. And what do I mean by that? Like, one day he was making tents just to meet people and tell them about Jesus. And he takes his apron off, and he throws it in the corner, and maybe it lands on someone's foot who has cancer or who, who can't walk correctly, or whatever it was, and they were healed. Like, I've had some good days, but <laughs> I can't touch that. I mean, I'm envisioning myself having dinner with Paul and being like, dude, I've preached to thousands. And, and he's like, yeah, I once threw my apron on someone's foot, and they got healed. <laughs> like, can I have some more potatoes, Paul? <laughs> when he would walk into cities, they would be revived. I mean, amazing things were happening, and he, he, he literally leaves a city called Ephesus. Don't worry about remember, remembering that. But he goes, um, he, he leaves that city, and he's, he's, he's just experienced this amazing thing. He walks into the city. Like, imagine this, walking into, like, Oakland or something. I don't know. And you just start telling people about Jesus. You're like, hey, everybody, come here. I want to tell you about Jesus. And they all just, like, burn their stuff that's slowing them down, that's, that's not right. They just, like, this huge fire goes up. They're just like, we're done with it all. We're following Jesus. Like, Dang. That's what I'm talking about. That was Paul's ministry. And so he leaves that city, and, you know, he's a rock star. He is. And he goes to, uh, he goes to this church, a church that he started, guys, uh, a people that he loved and discipled. And he knocks on the door, and this is where it all starts going wrong. And this is kind of how life works. Like, everything's got this trajectory. It's like this. And then one day, it all starts going boom. And that's when that fire starts getting messed up. But he knocks on the door, and they answer the door, and, and he's like, it's me, you know. It's Paul. And he walks in, you know, you know that weird moment where everyone's like, oh, hey, Paul. <laughs> and you're like, why does everyone know something I don't right now? And Paul, you know, he's, he's in the living room maybe, and he's like, it's me, guys. What? You know, maybe one of the leaders kind of pulls him over, and he's like, hey, Paul, just, I don't know, come here. And like everyone kind of awkwardly goes into the kitchen. <laughs> and uh, he's like, uh, Paul, we don't really need you anymore. Like we've heard some things about you, and it'd probably be best if you just kind of moved on. Like Paul spent a year and a half with these guys, telling them about Jesus, helping them through life. He kind of leaves that church, leaves that house, like, what just happened? Well, he goes back to Ephesus where cool things happen. That's his rhythm. Let me get back to Ephesus. He walks back in, he does the thing again where he starts preaching. He's like, here it comes, watch God fall, watch this. And no one moves. The only movement that Paul sees is someone reaches down and grabs a large piece of cement and starts winding up to chuck it at him. Next thing he knows, a riot breaks out. He gets arrested. Most likely, he's put in prison. And the great apostle Paul stays there for a couple years, and he has some very dark writings in the Bible. In Philippians, we love this verse, but here's what it really means. Like, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And we're like, yeah, that's, that's high-level Christianity. Here's what he's saying. If I stay here, I stay here, but I'd rather die and go to heaven. And you're just like, man. And so he's writing this to the Corinthians, these, these believers who are struggling. Like, I know where you've been. I, I know what you're struggling with. And, uh, and I know your emotions are running. You're probably confused. You're probably frustrated. You're probably beating yourself up. 
how do I get my fire back for God? And it's like Paul is trying to remember, like, where did I go? What happened to me that, that raised me up? Where did I go in that jail cell many years ago that began to lift that fire and ignite that fire again? And all of a sudden, it's like he runs back behind the desk. It, it, it hits him. Here's what I did. Here's where I went. This, this was the moment that everything changed. This is the moment that things started turning and, and I started experiencing God again and praying to God and reading my Bible and loving church again and, and seeing the world different and treating people different. Here's where I went. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. He begins to write this out. He goes, oh, this is it. For the love of Christ, it was love. I collided with love again. I got somewhere in my mind and I saw the love of Christ again. And he goes, and that love controlled me. And here's what that means, guys. That love held me together. I was falling apart. And man, when I got, got into my mind, like Jesus Christ loves me so much. Jesus Christ died for me because he wants me that much. It was this power of love that held me together so I didn't fall apart. But then it pushed me forward. Like I, next thing I knew, I was like getting out. Like I was energized. Like, whew. do you guys know what it feels like to be loved? We're so hungry to be loved, to be loved by God. God. Man, it just, it raised him up. And I'm sitting in Yosemite like reading Paul and I'm going, oh my soul, man, my, my, my fire's down to a spark. I need to get to love. I need to get to love. I need to experience love. Paul, where did you go? How, what did this look like? He goes like this in verse 15. Here's what love did. When I started remembering how much Christ loves me, here's what it did. And he died for all, like, he died for me. He died for me. And it was purely because he wants me. And man, it had this strange effect on me that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sakes died and was raised. Like, all the things that were holding me back from you, Jesus, when I saw your love, when I saw the cross afresh, and I remembered how good you are and how much you love me. It was like all the bitterness or all the distractions, they all started like slowly falling off of me. And it was like, man, I just started reaching for you when I saw this love afresh with, with new eyes. And I'm like sitting in this tent, freezing. And I'm just like, I'm a crier. I'm just like crying. Thinking of how Jesus saved me. Thinking about what he did for me on the cross. And I, I literally felt this energy in my heart raising me back up like, man, we're not done. We are not done. I'm going to put a, a heavy statement up behind me. It's a little complicated, but I want, to, I want to make it very easy and just spend a few minutes with this. Here's what love does to ignite our heart's fire. Being joyfully reduced in the presence of something greater than the self draws you to that thing. And when I, when I experienced the love of Jesus afresh by thinking what he did for me on the cross, it reduced everything. Not, not didn't minimize my pain, but it reduced my focus on all those distractions, lethargic feelings. It was all reduced at this massive, awe-inspiring experience of seeing Jesus Christ crucified for me because he loves me. I liken it to this. Um, we went up to the falls and uh, in Yosemite, and I remember walking up this trail, hiking up this trail, running 
after Pastor Terry on this trail, he can move up there. And seeing this waterfall, you guys, and I just, I froze. I was in a state of awe, like literally stuck, just going, what in the world? And campers were, hikers were walking past. I didn't care what they thought of me. I didn't care what colors I was wearing or if I looked dirty or what was going on back home or I didn't want to check out. I was locked in to this thing that was so much greater than everything else around me in my life. And that's what Paul did with the cross. Like he saw Jesus afresh and it began to awaken this awe and wonder and all the things that were holding him back from pursuing God all of a sudden were cut, severed, and began to fall away. I truly believe that whatever is holding you back this morning will lose its power in the presence of Christ's amazing love. And that's what Ephesians 3 is all about. Paul's like, if you could know one thing, I'm praying that you would know one thing. It's the breadth and height and depth of this love that Jesus has for you because it will change everything. It will release you from everything and, and, and thrust you forward towards God. And so I started this practice when I got down from that mountain and I got home. I started doing three things. I'm going to give them to you very quickly. We'll put them up. I started doing three things in practice, in practice. And I do this every morning now so I can encounter the love of Jesus Christ and he can keep my heart on fire for him even after what I went through. First thing, guys, you got to give love time. you got to carve out time every morning. You've got to experience the love of Jesus. Every morning now, it's a cup of coffee, because I'm from Seattle. <laughs> Rep in San Francisco. It's a cup of coffee, my Bible, and the cross of Jesus Christ. i got to get there. The second thing I go to, is I go to the cross in my mind and I make it personal. I see Jesus crucified, and, and that's, not, that's, not, that's not something to flinch at. I see him looking at me. I see myself in the crowd on Calvary's Mount, looking up at him with all these other people, and he's looking at me. And I know this is a little weird, but he's looking at me, and he's saying, John, I'm staying on this thing because I want you. I love you. You're valuable to me. My head always drops. I always, I always drop my head. And when I look up, he's always gone. And the crowd is always gone. Every morning, this is my exercise. And I always feel his hand behind me on my shoulder. He's like, John, get up. I came off that cross. And I came after you because I want you and I love you. And that feels so powerful to me to be loved like that. That any other distraction, any other pain, anything else that's getting between me and my fire for God begins to dissipate, to go away. And the third thing I do, and I love this, guys, is I stop listening to myself. Because I got some bad messages to myself. <laughs> like, you weren't good enough today, John. I stop listening to myself. And I start telling myself about Christ's love. Whether you like it or not, buddy, he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never give up on you. Even in your wreckage, he's coming after you. He's the holy hound of heaven who's hunting you down out of love. 
You're his. And as I do that, as, as the psalmist writes, as I do that, as I mused, as I concentrate, as I go there, the fire burns. That's our quest. Now we're going to receive our offering in just a minute. We're going to, we're going to put up a video with some really cool things going on here at Cornerstone, and we're going, to, we're going to sing a closing song. But I just want to pray over us, and I want you to go there, guys. I want you to go there. Let's pray. Father, I pray that if there's a weary heart, if there's just a spark left in, in some precious, precious human being sitting here, bring them to the cross. In this last song, bring them to the cross. Monday morning, help them to go to the cross and see your love and awaken love, awaken a fire and move them towards you so they can behold life in new ways. Let the love of Christ compel them. In Jesus' name, amen.